It needs to be made or derived from tobacco. That is the statutory definition. So welcome to the Vape Week Friday edition. Uh, the phone-in lines are 347-308-8329, and I'll say that again in a little bit. Um, this is the second show of the week. This is uh, kind of an odd week. We've had the uh, the final effective day of the final rule, the, the effective date of the final rule kick in on the 8th, which was Monday. I did a show, uh, and I had a guest, uh, Matt Cully, uh, and that's just been posted uh, onto the SoundCloud, uh, which was a good interview, and talked about different things. Uh, the The last power portion of that uh, of that uh, show uh, was with regards to uh, the We Vape, We Vote e Liquid line. Uh, that's something that I'm trying to roll out uh, in in a way that makes more sense than just uh, saying it's here. Although uh, that's what was done uh, to get it onto the market, and it it is here, it is out there, it is being marketed, it is viable, it's available to be sold, and it be, and it is being sold, and uh, there's a hundred and fifty 
unique SKUs uh, for each of the products, which is uh, five flavors, five uh, five strengths, three different label designs, and two bottle sizes, making 150. Um, and if you want to take a look at that, you can go ahead and check out the UPC database. Uh, you can also look for some of that information. I might talk a little bit about that because uh, I've tried to put 10 different things within the label um, to make it 50 state compliant. I, I I was just looking at something uh, today that somebody was talking about one state uh, where they were trying, it was Greg Conley, he was talking about uh, trying to have federal preemption uh, of the label standards. Uh, I believe my labels are 50 state compliant, but uh, again, you got to keep on doing your homework and keep on chugging along. I need to check out to see uh, what might be an implication uh, for that one state that Greg Conley was talking about. So, uh, going back, here is the phone number again. It is 347-308-8329. And uh, people are absolutely welcome to call. Uh, it's been a it's been a weird week. Um, and so there's some things that I think I'm going to try and talk about today. Uh, and we'll see. I, I've written down a scratch sheet here. Uh, and uh, see where we'll go, and I'll try not to repeat myself to the prior episodes, but it's, to me, I'm, uh, I'm essentially get. I see Duro Sig in the, uh, in the chat. Hey, Duro, if you're going to call up, call up. I don't want to see your bitching in the chat. So, go ahead. I, I dare you. Uh, contact you at the FDA, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, uh, before I wrecked my train of thought there, um, I've got some things queued up, um, and so I'm just going to uh, play them out so I don't lose, lose their spaces. Uh, what I'm about to play now is the uh, Mitch Zeller talking about what it means to be a tobacco product. And i got to go find that. Uh, here's the question, and here's the answer. This please state your organization. Uh, Westside Vapors. Um, it's just... A question to the panel uh, for clarity. Uh, would e-cigarettes with nicotine from vegetables be classified as tobacco cigarettes? It needs to be made or derived from tobacco. That is the statutory definition. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think that was straightforward. Um, so if it's not made or derived from tobacco, it's not a tobacco product. Um, and that kind of key data chunk that seems to be forgotten, this is from 2014, uh, something that, that some people remember uh, and other people just never even thought of or never thought of to listen to it. This is called, uh, if you go to YouTube, you can go to the FDA deeming teleconference 4 slash 24 slash 2014. And this was posted by uh, Michael Kozai uh, C-O-Z-Z-I, that's his name, uh, that's how it's posted. Uh, FDA deeming teleconference would be the easiest search, and you can listen to the whole thing. Uh, since it's queued up there, I'll, it was uh, pretty lengthy. I'll uh, try and uh, back it up a little bit without losing its place and uh, play it again. Bob Bridges, please state your organization. Uh, Westside Vapors. Um, it's just a question to the panel uh, for clarity. Uh, would e-cigarettes with nicotine from vegetables be classified as tobacco cigarettes? 
It needs to be made or derived from tobacco. That is the statutory definition. Thank you. Your next question comes from Vega. So uh, there was a little bit of a pause there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they know what they were saying, but they did say it, and they haven't retracted that. Then there's another little section in here that I was scanning through. Let's see if I can find that. Interpret the statutory definition, and, 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 and I'd really like to hear from you what you think that means. Two or three times when they point out as a covered product. This is an awfully complicated that has no tobacco in it. Out those scenarios, and the and what you see as the as the implications for what the regulatory status of the finished product should be, based upon a description of the potential scenarios. But all roads lead back to the statutory definition of a tobacco product, and ultimately there has to be something there that is made or derived from tobacco. There can be an, a component that has no tobacco in it has no nicotine in it, but if it winds up becoming a part of a finished product that otherwise meets the definition of a covered tobacco product, then it's a, then it's a component and subject to regulation as a covered product. This is an awfully complicated area, especially when it comes down to the, literally the moving parts with e-cigarettes, and we would encourage you to call all of that out in any written submission. But just to be clear, two or three times when they point out those moving parts, they say uh, it's in the finished product or intended or expected to be used in a tobacco product. And there's a lot of questions right now over what that means. And I'd really like to hear from you what you think that means. I can't go beyond the words of what we had in the preamble. Um, we, if it's intended or expected to be used in a finished product that meets the definition of a tobacco product, then it's a covered tobacco product subject to the agency's regulatory reach if this rule goes final as proposed. This is your opportunity to respond to how you think we should interpret the statutory definition and, and, and give us advice and guidance and suggestions for what should and should not be included. The one thing we can't get away from is the statutory definition. Ultimately, it has to be something that's made or derived from tobacco. Thank you. I think I'm going to go back and grab the very start of that, which I missed. All right, so, so I'm going to get to as many questions as possible. I'll play this whole Operator thing through the whole segment, question. and then I'll edit and clean it. Your first question comes from Gregory Conley. Your line is open. Hi, Dr. Zeller. Uh, Gregory Conley from the Heartland Institute. I'm about 200 pages through the deeming regulation, and there's some discussion of non-nicotine products but there's really no indication of how the FDA plans to deal with uh, component parts that from one manufacturer or one distributor can be intended for use with a nicotine product uh, versus another distributor with the same exact product that is going to be marketing that uh, for non-nicotine usage. And then also uh, if the FDA plans to do anything regarding non-nicotine e-cigarette liquid. Um, it's a good and complicated question, and I would encourage you to, to point out those scenarios and, the, and what you see as the, as the implications for what the regulatory status of the finished product should be based upon a description of the potential scenarios. But all roads lead back to the statutory definition of a tobacco product, 
and ultimately there has to be something there that is made or derived from tobacco. There can be an, a component that has no tobacco in it, has no nicotine in it, but if it winds up becoming a part of a finished product that otherwise meets the definition of a covered tobacco product, then it's a, then it's a component and subject to regulation as a covered product. This is an awfully complicated area, especially when it comes down to the, literally the moving parts with e-cigarettes, and we would encourage you to call all of that out in any written submission. But just to be clear, two or three times when they point out those moving parts, they say uh, it's in the finished product or intended or expected to be used in a tobacco product. And there's a lot of questions right now over what that means. And I'd really like to hear from you what you think that means. I can't go beyond the words of what we had in the preamble. Um, we, if it's intended or expected to be used in a finished product that meets the definition of a tobacco product, then it's a covered tobacco product subject to the agency's regulatory reach if this rule goes final as proposed. This is your opportunity to respond to how you think we should interpret the statutory definition and, and, and give us advice and guidance and suggestions for what should and should not be included. The one thing we can't get away from is the statutory definition. Ultimately, it has to be something that's made or derived from tobacco. Thank you. All right, so um, I don't know. I, I, I'm. This is this is an odd week because I'm just getting more and more frustrated uh, with a lot of the communications that I'm seeing out in Facebook from different organizations and from different groups, you know, state groups or whatever, and people putting out flyers and stuff. And uh, I mean, I was listening to this. Obviously, uh, it's now two, almost two and a half years ago. I was talking to the FDA, following up on this phone call. Uh, you know, uh, making, making, uh, availing myself of all of the various things that you can do with the government as far as communications to them, having listening sessions and, and various things. I think what he said is clear, and uh, I have frustrations uh, of of listening to this stuff and knowing what he is saying. And uh, people that are unable to parse uh, simple, simple centennial logic and uh, looking at these sentences from the legal perspective as they're written in the law. And then uh, people just running around uh, like uh, Chicken Little saying the sky is going to fall. Uh, and for sure, there are bad things in this deeming act, but there, there are things that are real and there's things that are fake. Uh, and this week, uh, my frustration is the level of people saying fake things as if they're fact has just gone off the scale. Um, and I don't know if they're daring each other, uh, vape shop to vape shop, to be uh, stupid uh, and, and do things that are going to harm their business, or, or I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but what I just played, uh, he is saying uh, to Greg Connolly's question about the intention the intention is within regards to a finished product. And um, if you look at the actual law itself and, and some of the guidance that they put out both back then uh, in 2014 and now again in the, in the final rule, they, they give examples of cardamizers. And so people are, their minds are blown when they, when, you know, Zeller says something like, if, if it does not have nicotine, but it is intended to be used uh, with a tobacco product, that then it could well be uh, considered something that would be within the regulations. 
I'll give you an example. I'll invent it for you right here of, uh, of what could be that. Uh, I've got an 808 battery. I screw on top of that a, uh, this is this brand new invention. I just thought of it. So uh, nobody should uh, steal my idea or whatever. I don't fucking care. Uh, so uh, here it is. Uh, we'll, uh, oh, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, scaling here. I'll remember my place. Hold on a second. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. I got to rekindle the anger, you know, throw a little coals on the, on the, on the Barbie. Um, I'm going to vent it for you right here. I've got an 808 battery. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a flavor threading. And so that, that's going to be a flavor cardamizer. And that, all of that is going to be is going to be a simple cardamizer. It's going to have the gauze. And inside of that gauze, I've got inside of it uh, squirted flavor, just flavor. And on top of that, there'll be another threading. And then I'm going to screw on top of the second cardamizer a nicotine uh, cardamizer. So uh, it's, it's going to be the nicotine at the top. Uh, a cardamizer it'll be a dual cardamizer in parallel no i'm sorry in serial and so the the, the nicotine cardamizer is on the top then in serial comes the flavor and then uh, there's two coils and they they thread and they, they're connected electrically electronically whatever and uh so then i then when i vape it i'm pulling the flavor up through the nicotine and they're both being vaporized so i've got a cartridge that is only nicotine and I've got a cartridge that is only flavorings, and I've got those connected to a battery. And so I've got three pieces, and out of that comes flavored nicotine vapor. So in my scenario, in that invention, uh, the flavoring cartridge has zero nick in it, absolutely zero nick. But they are going to regulate it because it is intended to be used with nicotine in its finished goods. Now that is a fucking simple example that everybody should be able to get. That is what they mean by intention. And if you look at the original deeming, it talks about cartomizers. And in one of the sections when they talk about what things it could be, they list off, for example, cardamizers as something that is intended to be used in the finished good product but I just gave you a scenario where I could invent rather easily a a, a, a three-piece mod which has you know nicotine just by itself but they're gonna regulate the whole thing they're not gonna let you do it some other way so that is what they mean by intended it doesn't mean uh, what a grammar teacher would uh, would tell you what the intention is because intention could be anything and how the FDA clarifies that for people that are familiar with reading you know the law and something that Greg should be familiar with is that the intention is within regards to a finished tobacco product it always is a finished tobacco product that they're regulating and they even say that supply the supply chain before the finished goods manufacturer will not be regulated so the people selling the, the PGVG will not be regulated. The people selling the flavorings will not be regulated. Only when those final things come together in a final finished product, a final UPC uh, SKU. And so if they were to answer it in a different way that doesn't have that legalistic language, somebody like me could walk in there and say, uh, nicotine is a uh, you, you just squirt the nicotine in there and it'll come with this package and there's ways that you can bypass it but 
uh, you can bypass if they didn't uh, let's try and say it again if they did not have the terminology of intention to be used in a finished good tobacco product there could be people that could bypass things so when people uh, when greg is asking that question well you know people are all up in arms they're in a tizzy because of that what do you expect zeller to say he's supposed to say oh well I'll, he has to stay he has to maintain that line and that's because they are trying, and they've—I think—they've succeeded. They've—they've they've made it so where you cannot just work around the system. Uh, you cannot just—if uh, it's a nicotine product, they are going to regulate it. And that's what I said in the postings back in the old ECF days. It got me banned. It's—it's it's all down to the e-liquid. And I said then, I'll say it again now: is without e-liquid there's no vaping everything else is ancillary everything else is is a triviality uh, there there's any different number of ways to uh vaporize you can do it uh i think is it remembering what i said then you know you you could you could use it somehow with a toaster you could uh use, use a toaster literally to vaporize stuff if, if you really wanted to get inventive uh but that is what they've said and, and the key point is that it has to be nicotine. What you just heard, it has to be nicotine, comma. It has to be nicotine from tobacco. It has to be both of those things. And it needs to be in a finished goods tobacco product. Now, if you are intending it to be used, if the intention is to have that 808 threading and selling something that, that connects into that, your little Lego pieces, if you're selling extra Legos that you know fit in with that, a cartridge, uh, if, if, if you have a sealed cartridge that you're expecting to go into your unique product that's, that vapes nicotine, then it's going to be captured. Now, if you go over to the V2 site, they've got a whole bunch of different new uh, apparatus, uh, and one of them is where they you f you throw in a little square, looks like a, a flavor pod. I'm not sure if you can refill it or not, but that flavor pod is going to be with the coil. It's going to be part of a finished goods product. That's how they sell it. it they sell it as a product like that. So I'm frustrated. Um, and uh, I'll remember that frustration. Now I've got this other section here that I just want to get through um, and then try and piece it together. Uh, this is from the Oklahoma Vape Jam Advocacy Panel Day today. And I'll play it. Start with you in the front. Uh, Chad Johnston with uh, 580 Vapors out of Lawton. Uh, my question is for Kat. Um, the question is to Cap O'Rourke, who is the current president of the shell of uh, the uh, the empty shell of Safada. Uh, so I don't not familiar with this guy. Uh, I don't know what he's ever done, uh, but he's the president and he's uh, sitting in the board, uh, taking home, uh, on this board of the panel, taking him up on a bunch of space. And uh, let's see what this little prick says. Safada, is Safada doing anything, or have they talked about anything? talked about anything as far as like with PMTAs and all the scientific research that's required. Um, has anybody talked about coming up with kind of a standardized packet that's kind of FDA accepted that 
SAFADA members can get to use for their PMTAs or something along that lines? That's a great question, right? That's uh, if you've been listening to me, uh, that this is something I've been talking about. Let's 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 work as a team. I've got this whole little thing called VIA Vaping Industry Alliance, which the whole intent was to get multiple companies to work together to work on the PMTAs, and so that if they are able to craft a PMTA, that they're all able to share, and then uh, thereby splitting the, the the resources and splitting the cost, and what I'm calling a rock soup model to get that funding to get a PMTA done. Then after all that's done, everybody gets to play in the, in the same sandbox again and resume normal competition. So this guy in the audience, I can see him because I see the back of his head. Uh, uh, he uh, he asked uh, what Safada is going to do uh, helping out people with PMTAs because that's that's where we're at right now, right? I think, right? So that's what he says. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to take this answer briefly because Cap's going to be much more diplomatic than me. If you're at this show, you don't have a hope and hope. You don't have a chance or a hope in hell of successfully filing a PMTA that actually gets accepted by the FDA. And so I'm sure Safada has plans in place, uh, seminars and all that, information collecting, but ultimately changing the predicate date is the only path forward for the people here in this room. That's such a fucking... Ugh. That's Greg Connolly uh, interjecting there. Uh, and with... I don't know uh, what his regulatory experience is prior to him gaining his JD degree and passing the bar, but uh, that is to me an incredibly a defeatist attitude. I mean, if if you're looking at a puzzle, and and obviously this whole PMTA, it's it's a puzzle. It's something that needs to be worked through. Uh, and there's different ways of doing it. There's not just one solution. I, I have this little VIA model, which is a solution. Uh, it's at least a solution strategy. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, there's other ones. And, and the feedback to this entire group of people that are watching this panel is, you're fucked, you're toast, you don't even bother, you can't do it, it's impossible. So this is what I challenge back to these advocacy panels that are that are going to these shows that are that are trying to say that people should listen to them why should anybody listen to this because it's just lay it down give up resign and it's frustrating so nobody should listen to this stuff unless they want to be dejected and and feel uh you know like 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 they're uh, like an animal that's been rolled over on its back and have its soft underbelly exposed this is this is not a fight right here. This is this is a concession speech, and I, I do not like that. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to rewind it uh, if I can do this without fucking it up and uh, get it going to the right spot again. Johnston with uh, Five Eight Zero Vapors out of Lawton. Uh, my question is for Cap. Um, as a Safada, is Safada doing anything, or have they talked about anything? talked about anything as far as like with PMTAs and all the scientific research that's required. Um, has anybody talked about coming up with kind of a standardized packet that's kind of FDA accepted that Safada members can get to use for their PMTAs or something along that lines? Yeah. I'm going to, uh, 
I'm going to take this answer briefly because Cap's going to be much more diplomatic than me. If you're at this show, you don't have a hope and hope. You don't have a chance or a hope in hell of successfully filing a PMTA that actually gets accepted by the FDA. Okay, what, just to be a little little detail freak here, what he said was that you don't have a chance in hell of filing one and having it accepted. Because here's the critical word, and again, fans of the show, if you're there, uh, I've been talking about why you want to file one, because you want it to be accepted, and while they're dispositioning it, you get your entire third year. Now, the way that I heard the webinars is that you, even if, uh, say, uh, in month, uh, you file it in month 19, and then they cut back to you on month 29, uh, and so you've, you, you, there's seven months left to go, and so even if they reject it and tell you it's not going to happen, the way I heard it, and I, I do need to clarify it with them, is that if they if they bump it uh, at that point, you're you're still going to be able to do tweaking to it. You're still going to be able to to give them more information in that third year. So the the months 25 through 36 are it's not like they just slap you and say you're, you're done. Uh, it got kicked out, so you're you're out of the whole last year. The way I read it and the way I interpret it is that if you've got your good faith effort in there and accepted, that you will be able to get months 25 through 36, the entire squad of those months. Um, and so what Greg is saying is not that for for people in that room that you won't be able to get your PMT approved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you won't be able to get accepted into the batch and into for that third year. And that's, that is not good advice. That is bad advice to the industry. And that, um, you know, there, there's other people we can talk to. There's other people I can talk to. Uh, but that is not good advice. And, and what I've said here is that Every single e-liquid manufacturer listening to this show should be planning on doing a PMTA. I've given an example of Mountain Oak Vapors. Uh, Mountain Oak Vapors has said that they are not going to do it. And and I've tried to uh, implore the Nairs to reconsider that. I, I'm not done trying to implore them, but I, at this point, they're not going to do it. So to their employees that rely on their business model of making e-liquids, on month 24, they're done. They're just going to be done. And so the only saving possibility for any of these companies that are that are choosing to ignore the PMTA process is that uh, somehow the Cole Bishop HR 2059 uh, take take place and and hit. That there is a chance of that. I think that the Cole Bishop it's not going to be in the Cole Bishop. I, I don't think that is going to get signed. Uh, it, it'll be another opportunity the next year. But this this cycle, I don't think it's in the past. And I think HR 2058, it also has a very good chance. I mean, it doesn't. It, I believe, has a better chance than Cole Bishop. And I think that it might be rekindled under the new presidency. Um, if it's Hillary Clinton, uh, there'll be no help. If there's Donald Trump, somebody was uh, posting on Facebook today that he's saying that... Uh, He's pro-vapors. Uh, I have not seen that. I asked for the link, and we'll see if that ever comes about to see it. But uh, 
there, there is, I don't want to give up on the legislative side. I do not want to give up, but there's nothing guaranteed. I will give it a 10% chance of working. And until I see anything that gives it a higher chance, I think that's, that's a generous, it's a generous amount. Uh, and then there's the lawsuits. I don't think, I think the lawsuits have just by themselves a 5% chance of working max. And that's, that's because I, I don't think that you can show damages until after two years. You can't say that the FDA is treating you improperly until they actually do and they haven't. And so the, the judge is not going to be compelled. And then even everybody that's talking about the lawsuit is saying, well, if we lose it, we'll appeal. If they lose it, we'll appeal. It's going to be this long, drawn-out thing. So those those things are locked and loaded at this point. If people ask for more support on the national level for HR 2058, even if even for Cole Bishop, if they want to ask for that, sure, go ahead and do that and, and support that. I, I, I support you supporting them. Uh, obviously, Cole Bishop, I think, has a whole, it's, it has a, a loaded booby trap that comes along with the predicate date change. But, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it would grandfather everything forever so uh well no I, i'm sorry uh the problem with the cole bishop is that it does need to be renewed it's not permanent i've heard people talk about both ways that sometimes people say cole bishop is a permanent solution other times they say it's a renewable solution i think it's more on the renewable side hr 2058 is a permanent one all of that stuff uh we talked about but you, if you're an e-liquid maker and you're listening to this, you're going to want to submit that PMTA. And and the criteria is for months 25 through 26. You want to get those. You want to do that. And uh, I will certainly be doing that uh, by hook or by crook. Uh, I will be filing a PMTA. Uh, if you guys don't want to do it, then, uh, you know, bye-bye in your, after year two. Uh, you know, have fun, but I I don't I don't understand how how like I'm the only person, and I don't I hate that fucking phrase. I'm not because I'm not the only person, but I, I I seem to be in a very small minority of people that are indicating that the PMTA is an achievable, workable goal that should be supported regardless of any other avenues that you're doing to try and support an advocacy-related solution to keep electronic vaporizer products on the market. If you are a businessman, woman that you should be wanting to keep this. It's just the right way to play it. It, it. If it's a game of chess, this is something you have to do. You have to move out your knight uh, to protect your bishop. It, this is just, you have to do it. If you don't, you leave your bishop exposed and then you, then they take it. So it's a basic. Um... And so I'm sure Safada has plans in place, uh, seminars and all that information collecting, but ultimately, Changing the predicate date is the only path forward for the people here in this room. Very diplomatic, Greg. Safada has these great plans in place, and we're going to have seminars and, and all kinds no, of great is, stuff. Greg is, Greg is completely right. I mean, and, and I... So the guy talking now is, is this cap guy. He's the, the president of Safada. Uh, never met the man, but this is the first time I've seen him talking. Um... So he's he's uh, you know playing with bubbles out there. He's going he he he. Uh, that's right. Uh, and the next thing is what pisses me off. Uh, 
I've said it. I've had. I can't tell you how many shops I've had come in and say, "So, what do I need to do to get ready for PMTA?" And I've told them, "Buy boxes. Buy lots of boxes because you can just box up your store, and that's how you're going to get ready for PMTA." I mean, it is a multi-million-dollar cost for virtually everybody. Um, so the the president of Safada, when asked by members uh, on how they should address the PMTAs. This fucking asshole is telling people to buy moving boxes because they're just going to have to shut their shit down and close up shop. Now, anybody that is going to be supporting Safada, uh, that's what you're supporting. A, a completely defeated, wimpy, ineffectual man standing up there on that stage, uh, not doing anything to fight for vapors other than say, oh, yeah, there's a lawsuit out there. Uh, oh, yeah, there's an H.R. 2058. What he's doing for his members is jack squat. Just saying fucking pack it up, literally telling people to pack it up and shut it down. Now, if you think that that's good advice, if you want to pay to be a member of Safada for that advice, be your own guest. But I would never fucking invite you to that shit storm, that worthless piece of shit organization as it now stands. I would never, ever at this point say to anybody to join Safada because they're fucked up beyond repair at this point. Now, there's state avenues out there, there's state groups, and all of those state groups are their own individual things those are those are like-minded businesses working together but this guy here decided upon himself along with shell hamill to push out cynthia cabrera who was actually doing something had had scheduled fly-ins had had worked with the omb had uh, worked with the omb and got enough people in there to where uh, she was able to save flavors uh, because the original document from the FDA had flavors being banned. It was only through the actions through Cynthia and some other people that got the OMB to withdraw that and to allow flavors to, they, they, they've literally redlined that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say it was only Cynthia or it was only Safada at that point, but I, I am well aware and remember clearly exactly how that strategy unfolded and how, Safada put out a cattle call for people to come in and then orchestrated a whole sort of campaign to encourage these shops and these companies to go in. And, and lo and behold, people did go in. So many people went in that they had to change their entire meeting schedule. The OMB, the White House's Office of Management and Budget, got an earful, as organized by Cynthia and Safada, enough to where it changed. Now, this guy, this Cap O'Rourke guy, who is, the last time I looked him up, he's some sort of underling staffer to a uh, state senator. That's his, uh, his pedigree here. He's just saying, oh, yeah, it's all fucking done. And does that piss me off? Yeah, it does. Because I do, I do know there are vape shops out there that rely on these manufacturers. But the vape shops are going to be the, the least affected, even in these scenarios, because, as I'll go through at other points, there are many large e-liquid-only companies that are going to go and get the PMTA. So if you are a bozo and you are listening to Cap O'Rourke from Safada and you're listening to Greg Conley from the AVA and they're telling you that you're not going to get it, don't bother and try... You can sit on that, spin on that, and take that advice. But I'm telling you, two years from today, 
two years from Monday, other companies will have their PMTAs in and they will be assured at least a, 20, a month 25 through 26. But beyond that, going further, I've talked to companies that are, are actually 100% confident that they will get their PMTAs through. So you can believe these two bozos telling you it's fucking impossible. Or, or you might, as I, as I do dare suggest, that you might want to listen to me just a little modicum of a bit and understand that there are other companies when you quit and when you fucking give up and when you just fucking pack it in that they will be there standing and then in the vaping industry while you're gone. So if you want to concede that, if you want to give it up, be your own guest, but it's not going to be from a fucking invitation from Ed Wolf for, for you to do that. I, you know, I would never suggest somebody harm themselves. And this is something that will harm you if you don't plan for it. If you have 50, 60 employees, if you've got people's lives that you're taking care of, if you're going to listen to these shitheads tell you to fucking give it up, on a fucking gamble that uh, Cole Bishop or HR 2058, there are real people that I see that are going to be hurt from that. And, you know, Greg Conley, very young lawyer, and I dare say, but he's not a seasoned lawyer. If he should go to a bigger law firm or whatever the fuck, but for him to say it's impossible is a novice lawyer's opinion. It is not studied because there's other well-studied lawyers that have not given up and that are not advising other people to give up. And this Cap O'Rourke guy, he's just telling you to fucking just, just quit it. And that's bullshit. And so, guess what? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to do this through myself. Uh, you know, uh, as I said before, uh, uh, I said, I'm either going to be mimicking what it takes to do this for a small company, or I'm actually going to do it. At this point, guess what? I'm going to actually do it. So I am at the the weak and vulnerable stage as any e-liquid company out there. Weak, weaker and more vulnerable than anybody. Uh, you know, I am the, the fledglingless, the, the most fledgling of the fledgling of the weakling little birds uh, trying to make its way through the uh, the nest of life, uh, but I think I, I I think I can do better than uh, than just quitting. I, I think I can I think I can be on the market in years uh, in sorry in months twenty five through thirty six. So it's up to yourself. I mean, if you guys want to do it, if you think that I'm an asshole for being an asshole for being complaining about these guys, if uh, if you think that uh, that any sort of uh, lawyer is some sort of uh, paradigm of virtue that I cannot say, you know, what what's uh, what's a hundred lawyers at the bottom of the sea a good start? I mean, you for you youngsters out there that don't have don't have experience with lawyers might not understand when you're advising somebody to go and talk to a lawyer that there is a reasonable and valid basis for all of those lawyer jokes. Now, what I've said before is that lawyers are, uh, what are they? They're, they're parasites of human misery and they feed off human misery. And that's how they, th- they thrive 
it, it, and, and so yes, there there's a there's a good set of lawyers. There there are some. A lot of them are raging alcoholics because they can't live with themselves after they do what they do to people. But there, there's a very small amount. I'm going to say 10 to 15 percent of lawyers are good people. Maybe, maybe give it 20. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's 20. But most of them are are people that look for accidents, look for 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 uh, for terrible situations, and sell advice. Now, the advice that they're selling would, would go away if there was no conflict. So the conflict has to be spurred on to some degree. Now, for you, for you uh, Trekkies out there, there's an old episode of the original Star Treks where the uh, Klingons are, are, uh, are, have, have made their way onto, a, onto the ship. And there's this entity out there. That is, that is having the, the Klingons fight the people on the ship, and it's thriving off the... It grows stronger as the, as the people, you know, attack each other. And I believe, if my memory serves, that Sulu actually gets stabbed and killed uh, in a sword fight. And this entity actually rekindles him and makes him alive again because it feeds off the conflict. That alien life form is what lawyers are. I think it's a good analogy, I really do. I'm going to go back to this. Or have they talked about anything? Talked about anything as far as like with PMTAs and all the scientific research that's required. Um, has anybody talked about coming up with kind of a standardized packet that's kind of FDA accepted that Safada members can get to use for their PMTAs or something along that lines? Yeah. I'm going uh, to take this answer briefly because Cap's going to be much more diplomatic than me. If you're at this show, you don't have a hope and hope, you don't have a chance or a hope in hell of successfully filing a PMTA that actually gets accepted by the FDA. And so I'm sure Safada has plans in place. Uh, seminars and all that information collecting, but ultimately changing the predicate date is the only path forward for the people here in this room. Very diplomatic, Greg. Safada has these great plans in place, and we're going to have seminars and all kinds of great is, stuff. Greg is, Greg is completely right. I mean, and, and I've said it, I've had, I can't tell you how many shops I've had come in and say, so what do I need to do to get ready for PMTA? And I've told them, buy boxes. Buy lots of boxes because you can just box up your store and that's how you're going to get ready for PMTA. I mean, it is a multi-million dollar cost for virtually everybody. Um, and there's no way to get around that. And, and so if, you, you know, if, if you're just a retail shop and you just sell product, you're not going to have to deal with PMTA, but you're also going to have no product left to sell. Um, so through the guidelines, through the FDA regs, dealing with the labeling and, and, I, and you know, how they're going to enforce August 8th, yes, FDA is going to be compiling that. And to the extent that, or Safada is going to be compiling that. And to the extent that there are guidelines for PMTA and we get more clarification, we'll put those out. But I'm going to agree with what Greg said. It, if you're looking at getting through PMTA, that's you, you. You got some deep pockets. So there, right. 
there, there is, there is the beginning of a movement. So uh, you might not have been able to hear it there, but uh, Greg said, uh, if you're if you're thinking about it, put your money somewhere else. Um, and and obviously, I mean, I really like Greg. Uh, I've met him a couple times, I, I, and I hope that I can tell him that I think he's being a dick uh, without. Uh, without uh that affecting you know sort of a guy code you know uh you know guys that are friends can tell each other they're being a dick you know and uh they're fucking up so if you can't tell a friend that they're fucking up then what kind of friend are you so i've a long time saying that i have is that uh you know guys can be dicks and you know women can be bitches but when you're an asshole you know you got a problem so i'm trying not to be an asshole uh i hope i haven't extended into the asshole tree of uh, commentary to in non-products specific science um, of course that that's not going to benefit any individual company again it's non-product specific science um, and I, I am I'm not going to so who is talking like specific th science this is uh, Scott Eli I believe his last name is from Amesa who is talking now uh, and he's talking about Sounds to me like some sort of uh, scientific advisory board on general principles, um, but not anything to do with the PMTA. Um, and we'll listen to it again with you. I agree with what Greg said. It, if you're looking at getting through PMTA, that's you. You, you got some deep pockets. So, so now he's going to be talking as uh, the Ames of President. There, there is, there is the beginning of a movement to in non-products specific science. Uh, so he's talking about just science, science. Um, so that would be the, 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 the accoutrements that go along with the PMTA. Uh, personally, I think that most of the science is already done, other than specific toxicology. Uh, but you know that should make sense. Um, of course, that, that's not going to benefit any individual company. Again, it's non-product specific science. Um, and I, I am, I'm not going to speak to that because I'm not part of that group who's, who's doing that. Uh, but I know there will be you know, some information shared with ABA, CASA, SPADA, um, and VTA, what, what all the groups going forward to see if, if, uh, who wants to participate in that. But So it's... Uh... Very confusing. Uh, it's some sort of thing to be working on science. It sounds like it's coming from AIMSA, but the AIMSA president can't speak to it because he's not part of that group. So what else is AIMSA working on? Um, I, do, I do not know. Uh, I, I don't have a clear understanding of what AIMSA is, is doing at this juncture of the vaping life cycle. Uh, we're, we're, the life cycle that we're in is that the the final rule is in, it's activated, and it's running, and we've got clocks that are going, the, and, and the big wall at two years, and another wall at, at, at three years. And, uh, and I don't know what AIMSA is doing. I don't... I, I, the last time I looked uh, at their uh, manufacturing specification... They had not decided whether or not that they should require testing for diacetyl or not, that their members are not required to test for diacetyl and acetylpropanol, and that members uh, that of AIMSA are allowed uh, to manufacture with acetylpropanol and uh, diacetyl. So uh, th there's a whole debate on whether what, what 
whether and I, and I'm I'm still enjoined into that debate as far as whether DA and AP at the levels of Doctor F is is a significant health effect uh, health risk or not. But Ames has has they've said at one point that people they were encouraging people to test for it, and one section says that they will not add it, but they're not testing their flavor manufacturers to see whether their flavor manufacturers uh, have added it. So it's just a big black hole. And there's no protocol for all this testing. And and so I say that not as to say that I'm deeply concerned about that at this point, other than if AIMSA is just going to become a sort of a marketing badge uh, without any teeth of, of a standardized process that consumers can rely upon to know that a AIMSA seal of quality means something other than membership in its own organization. So... Uh, I'll just let this fly again. But I still agree uh, with what has been said. Uh, we, we don't have a chance, not just you. We. Okay, so what he's saying there is that we, and I'm, I'm, he's the president of AMSA, he's saying that his members don't have a chance. Um, I, I don't think I'm misinterpreting what he said there. Uh, I'll play it again. You got some deep pockets. So there, there, there is there is the beginning of a movement to in non-products specific science. Um, of course, that that's not going to benefit any individual company. Again, it's non-product specific science, um, and I, I am I'm not going to speak to that because I'm not part of that group who's who's doing that. Uh, but I know there will be you know some information shared with ABA, Casas, Vada. Um, and VTA, what, what are all the groups going forward to see if, if uh, who wants to participate in that? But but I still agree uh, with what has been said. Uh, we we don't have a chance. Not just you. We. Rose Trimmer, uh, Flavor Vapor. Uh, what is the easiest way to find a local chapter? Of all right. So uh, that's. Uh... I don't know. I, I I wonder if I listen back to this and I'm going to think I'm an asshole. I'm not trying not to be an asshole. I, I'm willing to allow myself to be a dick, uh, but uh, I'm trying not to be an asshole. So, uh, and and the way I can stand on that pretty, I think, fairly safely is that there are a lot of people that their paychecks are related to this industry. And so uh, abandoning the fight early and without trying has an impact on mothers, fathers, and kids and their dogs and cats. Uh, and so uh, I, I think that if uh, nobody else is going to say this stuff uh, or people want to just ignore me for saying it, that's, I would rather have made the attempt uh, and looked like a dick uh, than... Uh, than to not. And again, uh, apologies out to these people. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Greg, uh, but uh, I'm sure that a, a lawyer uh, schooled in, in literally debate uh, and, and on a legal terms uh, that this should be uh, water off a duck's back to Greg. I don't think, uh, I, I don't think uh, a man uh, who's a lawyer and accomplished as him is going to take it any other way than uh, just part and parcel of the trade that he's in. Uh, okay. 
so I'm going to uh, take a quick pause here and take a vape. Uh, and uh, I'll look for a quick little song here. What would be right? back again uh, so I, I'm just I, I scrawled some things on a sheet here uh, in no particular order we've got the lawsuits that are running uh, I think one one of the people in that thing said that uh, all the lawsuits are combined as one no, that's not true there's multiple lawsuits the, the two that have been combined together are the uh, nickel pure uh, which is the Halo um, with uh, Patricia Quark, uh, Kravork, Kravorkic, bad on names. Um, uh, and she was the former uh, legal counsel of Lorillard, uh, who was part of Blue. And she is the only person or entity to get a substantial equivalence, exempt, uh, an SE application approved for a pack of cigarettes. So uh, there's one person in this industry, uh, and I've, I've spoken to her. I haven't spoken to her in a while. Um, she's a great person. Uh, but there, she is the only person to have followed that all the way through. So if nothing else, a big thank you to, for Halo for, for snatching her up and then hiring her and having her in this industry because I believe... Uh, that she will be a tremendous asset and she already has been and so she she put out the very first lawsuit there's another law law firm that is doing it but but she's the certainly the chaperone of that lawsuit now uh, that lawsuit some things I I you know and it's probably that I am just a lay person on some of the stuff but I don't understand why that lawsuit is indicating it's going to cost $780 million for the Halo product line to be approved through the FDA. And I just think that that number is so disassociated with reality that a skeptical judge is going to take umbrage and look at that and think that they're being played. And the way that they came up with that $780 million is, uh, and I'll do the math here, uh, 
So uh, 780 million dollars uh, divided by 300,000 equals. So they have 26, sorry, uh, 2,600 product SKUs that they believe will need to have PMTAs. Um, and so at $300,000 a shot, they're saying that's going to be $780 million is what it's going to take for them to get through. And that's precluding that it would cost more than $300,000 per SKU, which a lot of people are indicating, including Greg Conley there. He said it's going to cost millions of dollars per SKU. So if it was millions, say it was a million dollars for a SKU, if it was a million, then, then Halo is uh, under, under this false paradigm uh, that it'd be $2.6 billion to get it through just, just for that one thing. So all what that's ignoring is, uh, you know, efficiencies of scale and learning curves that would be developed in the applications uh, for each SKU. I've got 150 SKUs. Uh, and so to get mine through, uh, clear, uh, and uh, 300,000 times 150, I'm being told it's going to cost me $45 million to be able to get through. Not a chance. There's no way it's going to cost me that. And I've seen other serious documentation submitted to the OMB indicating that it would cost a large company, uh, and this is, this is a, a, a super studied uh, analysis uh, that has been done uh, in conjunction with the FD, the CTP uh, regulatory science advisors. And so this thing was all dialed in and stuff. And they said it was going to cost 1.6 to 2.2, I think, million dollars for the very first PMTA. Then after that, it's going to drop off significantly. It's going to drop off dramatically. It's going to go down to $50,000 for the second one, $10,000 for the next one. $5,000 for the fourth and fifth one, and then ongoing. So that's what large companies are doing and working with the FDA. So if you're a small, I mean, I guess technically, uh, perhaps I'm, I'm now your competitor uh, because I have this WeVape, WeVote line of e-liquids, uh, and then I want to get that on the product shelves with you, uh, my e-liquid brethren. I would like to participate on the shelves with you. I don't want to displace you. I don't I don't want to see you gone. I want to be part of the alcohol shelf in the bar. And there's a whole bunch of them and hopefully uh, there are customers that will like mine enough to where it's a viable business. That's what I want to do. But I don't want to see you guys gone. I have no interest in that. I want to be traveling and running along inside of your uh, same distributors. I want to be using the same distribution channel. I want to uh, to be a uh, a uh, what's it, what's the, not a white flag. I, I want to be Switzerland. Uh, I want to be uh, I think Switzerland. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a neutral participant that uh, wants to get along with you all. I don't don't want to get involved with the the Orange County versus the LA County. I don't want to go uh, uh, be part of the East versus West. I'm just uh, just a, a, a meandering little uh, wimpy. Uh, geeky nerd boy with glasses that just wants to play or play around and their thing. I don't want to fight anybody. Don't want to fight. Anyway, so 
it's not going to cost me $45 million. And I feel comfortable encouraging all of you e-liquid companies out there to stay in the game. I feel very comfortable. The, the original model I had for VIA uh, was to gather a group of people together to do this. Uh, I am not aware of anyone that is working on the PMTA uh, as a group. I have gone around with this model to, uh, to a lot of people. Uh, I've got lots of interest. Uh, and then I, I've explained in other places why I am not uh, begrudging any of the companies that I've talked to for not doing that. If they, if, they, if they didn't have enough faith in me, well, yes, I do begrudge them. But what I believe that the, uh, the more likely scenario is that they all had to do what they had to do for uh, the 90 days to get their products out. That's one half of it. The other half of it is, is that I was talking to the larger companies and in my conversations with them, they didn't offer it to me, but I always offered it out. I said, one of the things is that with your size, that you can use your size as a competitive advantage to stay in the market while smaller companies won't be able to do that. And so that was always in any cooperative effort to get something done, a, a, a group, an alliance working together. There's going to be some people that are going to be pushing in more and some people pushing in less. And the people that have more have to, you know, scratch their chin and going, if I don't do anything what happens to my competition. Now, I didn't get that. I did not get a heavy feeling from anybody that I was talking to. And I've said it before. Is that I, I don't think that this is a very cutthroat industry. I think that, um, I, I just don't, I don't think it's very cutthroat. So it's not going to take as much money as people think. Uh, and, and I guess I'll just have to wind this down at this point is that if you're an e-liquid company, File a PMTA for your own health's sake. If you can get it submitted and you can do it in a reasonable way, you are going to stay in business on years, I'm sorry, months 25 through 36. That's a big deal. Now, the lawsuits, uh, which I started this with, is uh, might win or might not. It's not, it's not going to cost me $45 million. But that's how it's being presented to the judge. I don't think that there will be any outcome from the lawsuits for two years. Um, even what other people are saying, uh, the lawyers are saying that if, it, if, it, uh, if we win, uh, it's still going to get appealed. If we lose, you know, and whatever happens in October, it, there's going to be all of this stuff. And these lawsuits are going to be caught up in the courts and the processes for years. So, uh, it's a fantastic insurance policy. My understanding is that these things are fully fully funded to the point where they need to be funded, that they don't need more money. Now, I'm not sure about that, but I think that's the case. Uh, I think somebody was saying that uh, Sevia plopped in uh, $100,000. So if they did plop in $100,000, that's a lot of money. If they didn't, then you know it's being most it's being misportrayed, but the lawsuits are cooking. There's nothing much. And then actually I heard that, uh, Kevin Skipper, who has this, uh, vaping CC, uh, YouTube channel where he does uh, a show on, uh, Fridays. Uh, I think it's like, uh, noon, uh, might be noon or something like that on Fridays. He is supposed to be having, uh, on his show next week, uh, Azim. So there'll be plenty of great questions to ask. And then hopefully they'll ask them how the funding is. If, if things are, are settled enough until they, uh, till we, till we get through that. The next thing is legislation. I think we've already talked about that enough. Uh, I don't think it's coming to, to come along that fast. Then I've got written on this page, I've got the word compliance written down. And, uh, let me just say, uh, 
that one of my issues with the, the first lawsuit uh, from uh, Nicopure is that they're using $300,000 is what it, the FDA is saying that it's going to cost for a PMTA. That is a valid and true number as a estimated number in the uh, original deeming. And Dr. Siegel has pointed to that $300,000 too, and the 5,000 hours and, and $300,000. What, what Dr. Siegel did not bother to look at was the actual final rule. The final rule changed those numbers. It changed it down to 1750 hours, and it changed it down to $131,000 uh, for the lowest cost e-liquid uh, cost to get through a PMTA. $131,000. Kind of sucks for me. Uh, because, uh, well, not, not anymore, but I had a model of, uh, of trying to, uh, to create these PMTAs because they were going to be hugely valuable. People are thinking they're worth $2 million each, and if I can beat that price, then the rest is gravy for me, right? Right. So uh, now they're saying it's going to be 131 for the lowest, for what, the way it's characterized. And, and all these people, I'm, I'm pissed off at these people on Facebook because they're saying that I haven't read these damn regulations. I'm not reading this right now. It's from memory, assholes. Is that they're saying that 25% uh, the, the lowest 25% of a PMTA cost, that category, the bottom, the bottom fourth, is going to cost $130,000. And that is not talking about the other things they're talking about. And the other things they're talking about is bundling, bundling applications together, which is the same thing that I said about that other one, that the first PMTA is going to cost a gigantic amount whatever that gigantic number is going to be, and then the incremental units of production of PMTAs following are going to be much lower. Now, all of the big companies that I've talked to get this. So if you're an e-liquid maker and you're going, who the fuck is this asshole Ed Wolf telling me all this shit? And why is he, you know, why isn't he going, you know, following the crowd? Uh, you know, why not? Uh, it's because I've read this stuff and I know... I've talked to the big companies. They are going to pass. They are going to do it better and more skillfully than anything I can do. But I can tell you from what I know and how I can appraise them, I think I'm in a fairly decent spot to appraise their abilities and their skills. And I am telling you, it, I'm not suggesting, I am telling you, I am, this is an affirmative statement. They will get through. They are going to get a PMTA. It is not going to be impossible. It is not going to be millions and millions of dollars per skew. And it's they are going to get through. So if you want to be fucking jaw dropped on month 25 going, why the fuck didn't we figure that out? You will not be able to walk over and say that I didn't tell you that. I, you won't be able to say that I didn't do my best to try and keep your ass in the game. So I'll, I'll, I sleep very well at night. I'm out like a rock. My conscience is clean. I'm a very good person. I have protecting me. So I can say this to you under full faith that you want to put in a PMTA. What else do I got in my dickish rant? Cost, things will pass. Groups moving forward. Uh, I believe that an e-liquid without nicotine is not covered 
by the Tobacco Control Act. Because it has no nicotine, it has no tobacco, because it has no tobacco, it's not covered as a tobacco product, and it's a finished good product which is in a bottle. So that bottle of e-liquid without nicotine is not a tobacco product. You have people like Shell Hamill and Safada going around and telling people that they can no longer have people vaping free non-tobacco products in their stores. And so this is one level up from the, the cost of the free samples. So I'm, I'm starting off with a harder one first. So if it's not a tobacco product, uh, everybody agrees that the bottle itself is not a tobacco product. And, and a, a large corporation, well, not a large corporation, a competent corporation run, run by Ron Tully, uh, which is uh, Next Generation Labs, which makes tobacco-free nicotine, abbreviated TFN, has, has done interviews with Norm Bohr, and they, he's talking about how they believe, and they are marching under, you know, under this paradigm, that uh, tobacco-free nicotine is not subject to the FDA regulations because it does not have tobacco in it. So there still has nicotine. So then, you know, there's a little difference there with the whole nicotine thing, right? But clearly, a bottle of e-liquids without any nicotine is definitely, if tobacco-free nicotine is not a tobacco product, clearly a bottle of nicotine-free, zero nick, that's very much not a tobacco product. So you have people on Facebook and Shell Hamill and these other groups that they're telling that vape shops as of Tuesday or Monday, as of Tuesday, need to stop uh, doing zero uh, nick samples. And the, the logic that they're using to suggest that it's a tobacco product is that it's going inside a vaporizer and then they're telling me that the vaporizer itself the atomizer which has no nicotine the battery which has no nicotine the, the entire assembly that this thing that can they can vaporize or actually aerosolize a mist uh, by uh, running a fluid with pg and vg across a heated coil that that device is somehow now tobacco just by itself without anything else and it's poppycock. It's it's absolutely ridiculous that, that a vaporizer, and I'm reminding myself of some of the things I, I used to say that I could take, you know, a vaporizer, pour put in water, and just vaporize water and say it's my personal humidifier. That's all I'm doing. I'm just getting a little more humidity out of this damn thing. Uh, so what hasn't been addressed and what we talked about with uh, with the Mitch Zeller uh, conference with Greg uh, Conley earlier is, is that uh, the question on dual usage uh, of, of, a, of a part that can be used for two different things is is that that could get some better definition. And that's something that in my meeting with the FDA, I'm going to seek out uh, a vaporizer just by itself is not a tobacco product. So they're they're. They're doing all this, so they're saying that they're saying that you can't that trade shows and all these vape shops need to give up, resign, tip over your king, leave the board, run away, be frightened, chicken shit out, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, shit their pants, whatever the right expression for uh, just giving up on the fight on zero nick uh, e liquids not being a tobacco product. 
then they're saying it as if it's fact and it's unchallenged. And then when you press them on it, you ask them, who's saying this? They don't fucking know. They've repeated this so many times to so many fucking other people that they have no clue to what they're saying. It, it's like they're, you know, they're like zombies. They're just saying this stuff and they don't even know. And when you press them on it, they just say, well, read the regulations, read the regulations. You know, you assholes, I've fucking read the regulations. I've looked at this stuff. I don't see it there. I don't see how they can make a case for it. And they're saying, well, it's confusing. They're trying to, to control everything. Well, if you believe that it, they're trying to control everything, just understand that uh, if they come to your vape shop, that the worst thing that they can do is give you a warning for your first thing. That's the first thing that they can do. And it's defined as a warning. They, they don't get to... Uh, I, I was listening to JT on his show on the Smoke Free Network, uh, Dimitri's Network, and he was saying that they were going to go in there and start levying $5,000 fines uh, with the, the, the Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and start coming in leveling $5,000 fines. That's the information that some assholes are putting out there to freak out these vape shops. And so what... Let's take it to the next step, is that uh, the, the lower step, is that uh, people are saying that you have to charge uh, two bucks uh, for, uh, Shell Hamill wants to charge people two bucks uh, when they come in uh, to, uh, to vape a flavor, to, 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 to try something out. Other people are saying like one buck. Uh, and then there's, uh, there's uh, groups out there that uh, trade shows that want to charge 15 bucks to get into the door just for the flavorings, uh, just, to, just to do the sampling. Uh, because they have to, and that, that's the problem, because they're saying that the FDA makes them do it. Well, if they were using zero nick, the FDA isn't making them do it. It's not a tobacco product. Don't give up on that fight. Don't concede that without even trying, is what I would tell you. Uh, but they're now saying that it has to be a certain level. It has to be some sort of amount uh, that it has to be related to the, the cost of the finished goods sold which is just absolute bullshit. There's no fucking place in the regulations or is the FDA saying that there has to be an attributable cost in relationship to the cost of the manufacturing of the e-liquid. It's just not fucking in there. But these people are going around telling you that you have to, you have to do this substantial amount. And I'm going to get to the point where I'll give you my advice, my, my legal advice, uh, which I can do because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, of course, there'll be no warranty of merchantability on any legal device. Uh, so they're also saying you can't change coils. You can't take a pre-built coil. They're also telling people that they can't take a fluid. So I'm now looking at this thing, and it was put out by Right to Vape, um, and it's, it looks like the North Carolina Vaping Council. And uh, this is very hard to read here uh, because it's uh, whoever posted this. Uh, doesn't know how to to save a picture in, in high resolution for whatever reason. Um, so they're saying FDA regulations, vape store associates can no longer provide the following services. And it has a, a column on one side where it says permitted, and it has a column on the other side that says not permitted. And then it has some jargon at the end. I'm sorry for any convenience this may have caused. If you wish to do something about this, please donate to uh, right to vape org. I don't know who Right to Vape Org is. I've never heard of him before. A political action committee. Write a letter to a North Carolina congressman and your two senators. So I guess this is in North, Car uh, North Carolina. 
and I, and they say to write your congressman and or your two senators, for some reason, whoever put this little infographic up together doesn't know the name of the two well-defined for the entire state North Carolina people. So uh, just to be a, a critical son of a bitch, uh, these these guys don't know that either, uh, and they're putting this out and recommending it. Uh, all North Carolina vaping candle shops will have a template letter that they can sign and send off. Right to Vape is a political action committee registered in North Carolina. We are not big tobacco. We are vape shop owners that want to see the industry survive and have proper political representation. And the last thing it says is, our main goal is to ensure that vapors' rights are protected. Uh, this is very small print our main goal is to ensure that vapor rights are protected however they're conceding rights before anybody's claimed those rights from them the the FDA is not asserting that that you cannot fill up a tank only under a contrived question with a legalistic answer given back by the FDA would they have to tell you something like that but if you would have asked the proper question they would have said yeah just don't fucking bother it was you know don't don't sell to minors uh label your product and the FDA wants you to not sell to minors they want you to label everything on that nicotine they want you that they don't want kids getting a hold of it they don't want to create a whole new generation they they you know you're an adult uh, that you're, you're further, when it comes to smokers, you're past the age of uh, consent, uh, and they don't care about you anymore. You're just, you know, if you're going to smoke, they're going to try and stop you. But if you're going to be an idiot and smoke analogs, they're, you know, we warned you. Uh, that's all they're going to do. Right? To, we'll safeguard the interest of vapors and make sure these interests are reflected in the political candidates that we support. So this came out on 8-11. Um, and it says vape store associates can no longer, and the first uh, thing in this grid is sell to customers under the age of 27 without seeing uh, proof of age. And it says that's not permitted. So you cannot, this is true, this one's true. You cannot sell, to, you have to, if somebody looks uh, like they're 27 or under, you have to card them. And uh, you better be damn straight that uh, if you if you let somebody buy and they're, you know, you better... Somebody better not look 30 and actually be 17. So you better, you have to do all that stuff. And then it says, provide free testing of free samples, provide free tasting or free samples to customers. And it says, not permitted. So that's true in part and not true in another part. It's true that you cannot give them free nicotine samples that there's a law on that. But for a product that is not a tobacco product, which is zero nick, there is no law regarding this. So before you give up your right, don't you think that somebody should at least challenge the FDA or, or at least challenge these assholes that are going around telling everybody this? You know, when Shell Hanel is being an asshole and telling everybody this stuff, there, there's no legal opinion that is saying this. It's not tested. It's not checked out. It's just one lawyer at best that says, well, in an abundance of caution, I better just tell all these stupid idiots that are paying the group rate for my uh, my legal advice. I better just tell them all that uh, don't do it. Don't do anything. That's the safest thing I can do. He doesn't want to get his own law firm have, uh, you know, they, lawyers have legal liability insurance. So the best thing they can do to keep their uh, insurance rates down is to uh, give the most basic, the most, uh, the most, they, a lawyer is, is, it's to a lawyer's interest to advise their client to be the most conservative. 
and in this case being the most conservative is relinquishing rights to the government that I am saying you do not need to relinquish. If you are one of these uh, people that uh, believes in liberty or libertarians, you shouldn't want to give up your rights off the bat. You, you want to at least test it. So uh, they're saying uh, no free samples, true for nicotine, not true for non-nicotine. And then the next thing it says, not permitted, you're not permitted, they say, to rebuild, replace, or prime coils, change the glass, or fill a tank with e-liquid. Now, it's not just these bozos. It's not just this group. And it's not just the one that I'm reading. There's, it, it's Safada saying this. There's some people, uh, I think, that are... Uh, there's just other people that are saying this too. It's it's out there. It's out there in the ether webs. Uh, it's out there, and it's just yes, you can rebuild a coil. Uh, that's replacing a coil. That's repairing a coil. You can you can squirt a little fluid. Of, you, they say you can't prime a coil. Of course you can. If 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 you need to change the glass, that glass was broken. There's a section, and I need to find it again, but everybody agrees that you're able to do repairs. If you're changing the glass, it's because it's broken. Nobody's changing their glass for no apparent reason. And then it says, you can't fill a tank with e-liquid. Now, how stupid is that? So they're, they're advising people to not be able to squirt a legal product into another legal product? It's crazy. And, and then the worst part is that they're telling people that there's going to be inspectors trying to fool to use, use genuine tomfoolery to try and get people to fill up a tank with e-liquid so they can uh, march in the ATF. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is what uh, that JT Thomas guy is saying, uh, that they're going to come in there uh, with uh, $5,000 fines off the get-go. Well, they're not going to come in with those other fines. If you look at the webinar, there is a fee schedule for what the fines would be if you violate the tenets of this Tobacco Control Act as memorialized in the final rule. And what will happen if on your first violation is that they will walk in and they will tell you, you fucked up. And then they will write you up and they'll hand you a piece of paper. And the associated fine with that is zero dollars and I'll crack this puppy open uh, because the next level from memory is for your second violation you get whacked with a $250 fine so you split it between the two your first two fines are $125 each the next one is going to be a $500 fine and then your fourth one is going to be a $4,000 I'm sorry $2,000 fine and I'm doing this off of memory but I'm opening it up at the same time uh, and so it's going to be $500 spread across four violations, totaling $2,000. That's what you are risking. Now, I'll go through the other side, which I had this argument with this with, with a friend of mine here, the, of, of what the implications would be if, if, you, if you wait for the violation uh, instead of just, you know, curling up ahead of time. Here it is. Hold on a second and scroll down. I'm uh, looking at a, a FDA uh, uh, FDA webinar, so it's a whole bunch of pages. There's somewhere in here it has to be. Here it is. Um, I haven't read any of this shit, assholes. Uh, number of violations uh, 
on the regulations 21 CFR uh, 11400. That's what it is. First one, zero with a warning letter. Two in a 12-month period, 250 bucks. And so I, the way this looks to me, and I, this one could be wrong, but it looks like that if the if the first one is zero and the next one is 250, it's a total of 250 for those two violations. At three, it says amount 500. So I believe that's going to be three 500 divided by three, and then four, it's going to be 2,000. At five within 36 months, it says $5,000. Now, I think that means that it's $5,000 for the entire set of them. Now, I could be wrong. I'd have to look that up in the actual law, but I'm pretty sure that it's a $5,000 total because the next one says six within uh, within the 48-month period, and it says $11,000. So either the fourth one is adding $2,000 or it's the aggregate amount of $2,000 for all four of them. So that's what happens. It's... It starts first as zero, then it goes 250, 500, 2,000, 5,000, 11,000, and I'm saying that 11,000 is split across all six of them. It's six. It's $11,000 for the total six of them, not $11,000 each. Um, and then after that, if you keep on doing this shit, uh, repeated violations means at least five violations of a particular requirement over 36 months in the period. So that's what it's saying. Uh, then if, if you keep on doing that at, at one point, uh, they will give you a no tobacco sales order. So if you are so dumb to take your first lump and keep on doing it six times, uh, they're going to issue you a, uh, a NTSO no tobacco sales order. The first one, if, you, if you're so stupid that you do that, uh, that your first one will count for 30 days. You won't be able to sell for 30 days. you got to take a 30-day vacation. If you're so fucking stupid that you keep on doing it again, your second one is going to be for six months, and then your third one is going to be permanent. You'll have to sell your business to a friend, and he'll have to open it up. And, you know, that's that's how as bad as it's going to get. Uh, so... That that those that's the penalty schedule. So when people are saying that their the ATF is going to run in there, they're gonna they're they're gonna walk in on that first one. Um, so where where does it all stand? What what would be my advice? Uh, what, what's the, let's see. There's the hardware. It's uh, there's three things. Ninety seconds. Hold on, I'm gonna kill that. If anybody wants to call, uh, they've got a few more minutes. I don't see a caller. Um, I'll put a little blank spot in here. Hold on. Last chance to call. Last last call for alcohol if you want to call up. 60 seconds. 347-308-8329. It's use it or lose it time. Okay. The other thing that people are saying is that you cannot communicate to uh, your customers that vaping is a fantastic product that has uh, been shown uh, to... Uh, not have these negative health effects uh that it's a uh something that, that a person could replace a cigarette with uh that they can switch one tobacco habit for another tobacco habit because that's what it is now that you're classified for with a tobacco you're not telling them to cessate uh from tobacco you're not telling them to quit tobacco you're telling them that there's an alternate tobacco product and that's the key word 
and this is something that, that Shell Hamill and, and Cap O'Rourke, and they're not giving their members, their vape shops, good information. Because you certainly can say that vaping is a better tobacco product than is uh than is an analog cigarette. You certainly can say that. You can say that it between the two, uh, neither is safe, but this one is 95% safer. You can absolutely say that to your customers. You can say that some of my customers uh, have uh, quit with this product. You can say that to them. You can say all of those. The, the, the thought police and the uh, First Amendment people, the goon squads are not coming in under the guise of being the FDA. They're just not, if you got your local health departments that are going to try and do this stuff, you know, let them try. And you think that the FDA is going to pay for uh, these, these uh, type of violations under their name? Uh, for, for something like uh, for filling up a tank? You think they're going to write up a violation? You know what would happen if, they, if somebody got written up for filling up a tank? It would get back to the FDA, and the FDA is going to go. What, you know, we we've got we're we're trying to be you know a real mature agency here. We're trying to help kids. We're not trying to police whether somebody squirts a bottle of fluid into a tank. Nobody's doing that. And you, the the rules as far as what you can say about the products relate to advertising and marketing. And I haven't gone back and looked all of this thinking stuff up, but I do know it from previous experience that the rules regarding marketing. And all of these things are done on marketing and advertisement. And they've been tested in the courts. Like, for example, uh, uh, the, the warning labels have been tested in the courts as being a freedom of uh, a free speech issue. And they've won successfully. The FDA has won successfully against a challenge from the tobacco groups uh, that, that they wanted these warnings to be changed and stuff like that, or the, or the marketing. It's been tested. So the FDA can do it on marketing marketing they can, if you are a vape shop you are not selling your own product now if you are selling your own product uh there's a chance that you might have a, a double jeopardy which is the wrong term but you you could if you are if, if you're making your own e-liquid and you got a billboard outside of your store and you're advertising it that way you could theoretically if you're an idiot cross some lines but if you're just a vape shop selling whatever generic you know big name e-juice they cannot do the marketing uh that talks about health claims they can't stick it on the bottle a bottle you know uh our e-liquid cures cancer they can't sell it as uh, snake oil they can't put a tv ad on there that says this uh this uh, electro stimulator belt that you put around your stomach is going to make you lose weight they can't make health claims like that but if you get that little exercise belt and you buy it off in uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, if the salesman walks up to you and goes, "Yeah, you stick this thing on, and it's gonna it's gonna make you drop weight like nothing else," that is not a marketing claim. That is not advertising. That is a salesperson in the store. You still are able to be free with your speech, if you live in America along with me. If you live in communist Russia, maybe it's different. But don't give up your rights before at least challenging them. But, but challenging, challenge those who seek to take away your rights. Now, in this argument, uh, the fisticuffs I had with this friend of mine, uh, uh, the, the, the answer, the, the question was, uh, what should a vape shop be told? Should, should a vape shop uh, 
well, wait, I, I don't, I think I've, I'll remember that spot. Uh, so going back to this table, I want to complete this table. Uh, it says, uh, it says it's not permitted to sell to, uh, underage, uh, people. That's, that's not permitted. That's true. Uh, per, uh, it says it's not permitted to provide free tasting of nicotine products. That's true. But if you have a zero nicotine, which most people are using zero nicotine samplers, it's not covered by the Tobacco Control Act. So I would make the argument that you should still do it. I would recommend if you're a vape shop that you use zero nicotine samplers and that you do not charge for samples. I'm going to recommend that that's, your, that, that's what you take. And we'll talk about the consequences of that recommendation as I go through this list. Uh, then it says they're telling you that you cannot rebuild, replace prime coils, change glass, or fill tanks. They're telling you you can't do that. I'm saying you can do all of those things, and you should continue to do that if that's your choice. Uh, I've talked about it before, and I'll say it right now real quick, is that if you make a coil and that, and that coil blows up, you have a legal liability for creating... Uh, something that you put in a customer's thing that could have shorted out a battery, which was a foreseeable damage, which a lawyer, a good lawyer, a reasonable lawyer, a good ambulance chaser can come back you, at you saying that you were willfully negligent on putting something like this that could have easily been put on a hybrid tank and caused them to blow up. So you're taking that risk by building a coil, and if you have good uh, business insurance, you should be insured against that. And, and as I said uh, in my last show, it's it's like a one in one hundred thousand chance. It's a pretty low odds it's going to happen, but you better have business insurance if you want. If you feel comfortable with that, go ahead build coils. Uh, but as far as replacing a coil if you if you take a product and you replace that coil, if you put it in for them, you have a much smaller thing, but if, if you, you should be able to tell somebody to be able to screw in their own coil, but if you want to do it, you can do it. I'm saying go ahead if that's your so choice. Next thing it says is that you are no longer uh, f able to freely discuss the health benefits of vaping. Well, health benefits, uh, you can talk about the 95%. Uh, you can uh, you can say that it's a uh, it, it it tastes good. It doesn't taste like smoke. That's a health benefit. Not smelling like fucking crappy ass smoke. You can talk to them about how it does tar doesn't fill up your clothes. That's a health benefit of vaping. That you don't have tar sticking around your house that becomes a second hand. Uh, uh, sorry, a third hand smoke. Third hand smoke actually does exist. My neighbor was a fucking disgusting smoker, and his walls were caked with nicotine. Third-hand smoke does exist. It does not exist for vaping. I've read the studies, and uh, Dr. Benowitz was totally... They, no, no, they, that was Dr. Benowitz. He was totally perplummoxed. For, for he was... Somehow, the, the, the amount of nicotine in the house of a smoker was a high number. The amount of a vapor equaled that of a non-vapor. The, the vapor's nicotine content that they found by, by you know, swabbing the carpets and, and swabbing the, the walls was equal to that of a non-smoker. They, they didn't even know what to do with themselves. The, 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 it was a complete study, failed study design. You can discuss all of those healthful things of vaping with your customers. Now, these assholes are telling you that you can't do it. Now, that might screw up your business. 
if you if you start you know like going hand handing them a box and then like you know covering your eyes if it's if it's about to explode if that's the experience that you give them if you if you take the box out and you take a ruler and you slide it out to them because you don't want to touch the thing uh because it's that that you know dangerous looking you can lose your your new customers it says that you can charge batteries for customers now, this is the first time I've seen that, you know, even, anybody even talking about charging batteries for customers. Uh, I, I, I'll go on the other side on this one. If you're charging a battery, what you're doing is you're actually manufacturing because that charge is taking a, a something, it's similar to a, a coil that's been used. It's, it, that, that's a used up coil. So you, it's a depleted thing and you're now taking uh, electricity and you're repackaging that electricity into the li- uh, the lithium ions, and you're actually ma- remanufacturing that battery to original OEM specifications by putting that charge on there. That's as asinine stupidity on the flip side, uh, but they're telling you it's okay to charge the batteries for the customers. I don't know if you, who even does that in a vape shop. Who who provides a service of charging batteries? I mean, you sell them the charger, you sell them a new battery, but I don't understand how this thing with the uh, batteries, I just don't get it. And the last thing in this little matrix, the last thing is repair or troubleshoot devices without changing the functionality. And it has a little asterisk, and this is where it gets hard to read. It says, note Changes in functionality refer to services like rewicking, adding a coil, or adding e-liquid, etc. So on the last part of this, and, and this is just a typical one that is floating around on Facebook, you've got people telling people to give up their rights and change, they're, they're telling vape shops how to run their business, and I'm telling you, I think there's a high chance they're telling you how to run your business into the ground, and I'll go into that. So on, on one of them, they say you can't rebuild, you can't replace, and you can't prime. On then another one, it says you can repair and you can uh, service them and rewick. So the argument, if you listen to the Safada thing with uh, Shell Hamill, uh, you know, cueing the lawyer to say what she wants the lawyer to say, that, that, that there's a promise that if you build a coil, that you have to build it within the same exact tolerances of, of the first one. For, because if it's not, if, you, if they came in with a broken, uh, with a coil that was at 0.7 and you rebuild it at 0.6, that somehow you've changed the functionality of the uh, of the device by putting in a 0.6 versus a 0.7. Well, no, because the device itself is calculating it under watts, so the the, the device itself compensates for a very normal variance within the coil. It's just it's just ridiculous. It, it, the stuff that they're telling vape shops to do. So, the, what I'm saying, and I have to find that section where it's of repair is okay, because I know it exists. I just need to find that actual those actual words um, and, and other people already agree because it's if it's in this table obviously it has been said they are even saying that repairs are okay that means that anytime somebody comes in uh, and you need to operate or touch their equipment it's a repair every single time now learn that live it and do it if somebody comes in with a device and it's it's it, it need, you, they want it to be rebuilt you know, you, you you ask them, is this working properly? And they go, no. And you go, well, do you want me to repair it? And they'll say, yes. 
and then you'll tell them what you're going to do and you're going to tell them what you charge and if they agree then you have you've given them a, a service a repair service and that service might require parts but get over it people you can build a coil if you so choose it's a repair you can put in uh you can do all of the stuff if they come in i saw one person uh was saying that if they buy an atomizer and it has no coil you can't then build a coil for them uh because it was brand new and it didn't have a coil something crazy like that all you need to do, if, if you're really going to be that anal about it, then you just tell tell the customer, okay, take this paperclip, hold the two things between the, you know, let me, I'll take a picture with my phone that you had a paperclip between that, okay, and then you hand it to me, and then I will remove the paperclip between the posts of the atomizer and say, ah, I see what your repair problem was. You had a paperclip between your posts. That's all wrong. Let me repair it for you and put a coil in it because that will make it a, 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 the way to work. So I'm telling you, everything that these people are saying about coils and all this other fucking bullshit, it's all covered under repair. It's all of it. And the FDA would have never been answering this stuff to anybody if it wasn't for these asinine, stupid, fucktard questions that they're asking the FDA. If you are so fucking moronic to think that you need to ask the FDA, can I put a piece of wire between two posts and then screw the things together if I make a little curly thing on it? Is that going to be okay? You know what? I kind of agree with the FDA going, you know, you shit-tard, if you can't fucking figure that out, I better tell you to not do it because, you know, you're that fucking dumb. I, I I just don't get it. So so going into this uh, of what of what I would recommend to a vape shop, my legal advice, my business advice, what I would do if I were you. Now, if you're going to follow any of this, if you're going to do any of this, that's the other thing that pisses me off. Everybody goes this, I'll tell you all this fucking bullshit. I'll tell you all these fucking wrong things. But But what you need to do is hire a fucking lawyer and advise you. Because they don't have enough fucking confidence in the fact that uh, that they're telling you uh, they're telling you all this stuff, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, but you know, I, I might be totally wrong. Just call your lawyer." You know how many small little shop uh, shops have fucking lawyers on staff? Uh, how many small vape shops have lawyers on staff waiting at the ready? You know, at these six hundred dollar lawyers. You think they're all going to be, uh, you know, uh, here, Mister uh, Generic uh, Lawyer that I found in the phone book that represents my vape shop company? First, I need to ask you a question. And the lawyer goes, okay, what's it on? It's going to be, oh, it's on FDA regulations. And the lawyer goes, oh, I, I'm not familiar with those. It'll probably take me three hours to be able to understand that. I'll have to bill you for that. And, and, then, uh, and then I'll have to get, render opinion for you. That. So uh, your, your first question is going to take four hours. And uh, then after that, your additional questions will probably only take an hour in each. Uh, but for your first question, uh, three hours to spin up and then one hour for your question. So uh, shoot. You know, so $2,400 later, you get uh, your lawyer saying, well, out of an abundance of caution, don't do any of this shit. What the fuck do they care? They're just going to tell you to be as safe as you possibly can be. They they don't want to have legal liability insurance. They, they don't want to get sued as being a crappy-ass lawyer, incompetent legal advice. They don't want to do any of that. So they'll tell you just to be safe because if, so long as they tell you to be fucking safe, you can't sue them. So everybody says, oh, yeah. so this is what I would do. I'm a vape shop. I'm going to card, I'm going to go through this list. I'm, I'm going to card everybody. When they come in, I'm going to card them. Uh, as soon as they ask for a taste, you know, I want to start tasting these things. 
whether or not I'm charging for the tasting or not doesn't matter. If they look under 27, I'm going to card them. There's going to be no fucking way any of my employees are going to sell to anybody that is 18 or brush those rules. I, I know that the FDA is going to be looking at that, and I'm telling you, they are going to put bikini-clad little 17-year-olds running into those shops, trying to get your uh, vape shop employees to be, you know, just staring at their tits, that they are going to sell it to them. They will do that. Bless them for doing that, because at least if you're a good employee, you get that show, and you don't sell it to her. But, uh, so you better be carding. Then the next thing is this whole free tasting thing. If I would, uh, there's, I'll go with the, the most conservative position first. I'm going to charge them uh, a quarter uh, for the samples. Uh, I'm going to charge them for that. I'm going to tell them that they're, they're going to need to do that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat them like a restaurant. I'm going to tell them openly, I'm saying, okay, I looked at your card, you're over 18, you're you're good to go, do you want a sample? And they're going to go, yeah, and then I'll go, okay, it's going to be 25 cents, do you still want a sample? And then they go, well, do I have to pay that if I, if I don't buy anything? And you're going to go, yes, you do have to pay it if you don't buy anything. And then they go, well, if, if I buy uh, something... Uh, you know, uh, do I still have to pay it? And then, then it's another decision point. Either I can say, uh, well, uh, if, if you buy any of these products, you know, there's one product, it's in, it's in a big red product. If you buy any of these products, uh, not the red one, uh, it just so happens that this week we have a, we have a, it's, it's an extra 25 cents off. It's a special we run all week. Uh, if you buy any of these, you're, it comes with a, a built-in 25 cent discount. It's you'll still have to pay that 25 cents, but ironically, 25 discount on the first item of the on, on the first item of the of the multiple items you buy. It just so happens that this set has that pricing structure. Check it out; it's in our POS system. We've, we've already got it all entered, except for this one red product. If you if you use that one red product, then yeah, ironically, you'll you won't get anything back. So you just have it all there. Uh, so if they'll, they'll ask the sample, you'll tell them that they are going to get their 25 cents. You either going to actually charge that to them, or you're going to have a discount rate on the products they, they actually end up do buying. But the key point is, is that you don't have to take their money before they start sampling. There's no reason why you should need to do that. And I don't, I, nobody's explained why, I've heard Shell Hamill says, well, you gotta, you gotta charge them, you gotta put a receipt, and you gotta stick it in the system, and you gotta, you know, and, and I'll tell you why I don't want, I don't want, I would suggest that you don't do that. Uh, but, so you're gonna charge them the 25 cents, and uh, you're gonna tell them that you're running a tab on them. Their tab right now is 25 cents. If that asshole is gonna run and bolt out of the store, he's gonna take a couple vapes and he's gonna run out uh, of the store without paying you your quarter. That's a big problem because that guy just stole from you. So what you're gonna want to do is send your employees to chase after that guy for that 25 cents and tackle him in the. In, if you have a, if you have a big problem, maybe you want to have a bouncer to, to to guard that 25 cents. There's a chance that people will dine and ditch. It's going to be a small chance, and I think that's a chance worth taking because you're going to tell that customer that they are going to be on the hook for that 25 cents, just like a restaurant. And then if they buy that product, then they're going to, then they're going to buy their $20 bottles or whatever the price of the bottles are that day. And then that's how you cover free samples. So if, if they're either going to get knocked for the 25 cents, they're going to be, they're, they have to pay the 25 cents because they didn't buy any product, 
or they're going to run out of the store without doing that, and then you're not going to let them back in, or they buy a product and that's 25 cents. That, that's the conservative approach. You don't have to charge. There's nothing in the law that says you have to charge them any amount more than a nickel. Doesn't Actually, it doesn't have anything. So long as you're charging a, a U.S. legal tender, which includes coins, if you charge them a penny, it's still good to go. I just think a quarter is just a better way to go uh, if you're going to actually do it. Uh, and then, as I've said before, for that quarter, you hand them a sealed and cellophane, uh, you know, uh, what is it, a uh, silicon drip tip. So it has that sort of aesthetic, sterile feel to it before they vape stuff in the vape shop. Because I, I, I tend to not like to vape in vape shops, personally. Uh, I'll, I'll rather risk the thing. I don't want to kiss anything that anybody else is even close to kissing. Because um, that's just what I am. Uh, but what I would also then suggest that you do is that you don't do any of that that you make all of your samplers zero nicotine and when they come in if if when they come in their shop before they taste anything anything in that store before they even put their hand on any of your products they need to be carded for the same 18 year old thing and and looks under 27 you have to card them no matter what but after you do the carding they're going to go uh, I'm carded. There, are, you know, maybe it's a 60-year-old man walks in. You don't have to card him, and he's gonna go. Well, I'd like to taste some stuff, and you go. Well, fortunately for you, we have this whole selection of non-tobacco products. Would you like to taste them? We we also offer them w- that are tobacco products. But if you just want to taste them, you can taste them without nicotine. Would you like to do that? And they'll go, sure. And you go, is there any charge for that? And then you say, no, we don't charge for that. It's not a tobacco product. And you stand on that. And you have enough guts to stand on that. That's what I would do. And so what's the risk, as I argue with my friend here, what's the worst risk that's going to happen to you? Well, the FDA comes in and they say, you guys are fucking up. You can't do that. Now, whether or not that's actually true, you know, that, that's, a, that's a whole lawsuit if they actually try and do that. They will get sued if they try and do that, and I think they would lose. But they have to make the calculation that, that uh, they think it's a good idea to send in public health inspectors to, to try and ferret that stuff out. Now, even though they've never said that they're going to do that, and if you look at all the things that they said, they, they're not saying they're going to do this. They're just saying you can't charge, you must, they're saying you must charge for samples of tobacco products. If it doesn't have nicotine, it's not a tobacco product. Where are you as the shop owner being wrong? Where are you being negligent? It's obvious. Without nicotine, it's not tobacco. You don't have to charge. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to charge. So but it all goes, everything I said is wrong. It all goes haywire. The FDA walks in. And they knock on your door for the very fucking first time and they tell you, you can't do this. And you're going to go, well, I'm going to sue you if you do this to me. And they, and they say, oh, go ahead, fucking sue us. But here's your fucking warning. What's the associated cost with that? Zero dollars. So if you're, you know, you be, be a little brave, folks. If you're a vape shop, be a little brave and wait for somebody, anybody, to have that done to them. Make it all zero nicotine and be brave enough to to wait for somebody to get hit with that. 
And I'm telling you, they're not going to do it. And I'll, I'll tell you why I say that is because if they do that with this Tobacco Control Act, it then gets sent over to Azim, and then Azim can sue them. He now has precedent. He has damages. He has the FDA doing bad things with that. And that enables the federal lawsuits. If the FDA fucks up, if they screw that, it's like a chess game. If they make that mistake, they're going to get pieces taken off the board. And they're smart enough not to do that. You card them, make sure they're there. But they're not going to write you up for, uh, for selling zero nick and allowing people to use that product because it's not a tobacco product. Worst case scenario is that they give you a, a warning and a fine. And the other thing that goes along with that, if they're going to go that route, there's a, let's say there's 30,000 vape shops in this country. The first one that gets hit with this, it's going to be all over social media. You're going to know that the FDA is doing this before they come into your store. Unless you're that single, very unlucky one person that gets nailed with a, with a $0 penalty. That's what we're talking about. A $0 penalty. So you have assholes like fucking uh, Shell Hamill and Safada and, and whatever these other people are on Facebook. They're telling you to change your business model now. To stop doing this. Now for the prospects of getting a $0 warning and the highest likelihood is that somebody else is going to get pinched long before you and then you can make your decision what you want to do then. The, the first person that gets pinched, they're going to they're gonna scream bloody murder. You're going to know about it. So I, I would go with a zero nick. That's what I would do. That's my advice. The whole rebuild, replace coil, same bloody thing. Go ahead and do it. Wait for the first person to get pinched. It's, it's you know, just do it. And, and, stop, and stop acting as if because somebody says something that you have to fucking flinch. Man up. I mean, just do it. Wait, wait for somebody to, to say, the FDA just came into me. Like all these people freaking out about the CPSC. I actually called the woman that, uh, that wrote that letter. I talked to her on the phone. Guess what, guys? I knew damn well that you're not going to get these gigantic penalties that people, you know, like this JT Thomas says they're going to come in with the $5,000. But I was fine with not, you know, jumping up and down on that. Because first of all, I don't work for the government. And second of all, if the only thing people have to do is put on the safety caps on their bottles, all the manufacturers sell you the right safety bottles, it's an easy thing to do. If anybody had that had non-safety caps, then they, they deserve to have somebody. But it, people are, they're making things up. People are lying to you. This JT Thomas guy is making up fabricated lies and telling people to go and do it. And then at the end of it says, support Kassau, support, uh, support Safada, as if that endorses his asinine stupidity. It doesn't. And he's a sales manager, too. It just, it just blows me away. The ne next thing is this is freely discuss the health benefits of vaping. As I said, I would go, I would say, shit, yeah. If one tobacco product, it has smoke. This tobacco product doesn't have smoke. Of course it's better. The Royal College of Physicians say 95%. Of course it's fucking better. 
Are you kidding me? There's no third-hand smoke. Here's the study. I can show you. No third-hand. It's, uh, should you use it as cessation? I don't know. You, nobody's telling you it should be used as cessation, but I can tell you, in my personal experiences, that, uh, that Joey over here used to be a five-pack-a-day smoker. Now, he's a one-pack-a-day smoker, and he vapes. He's cut down pretty significantly. I don't know if you call that sensation. Uh, little Billy over here. Billy used to be a one-day-a-pack uh, smoker, and now he comes in and he uses e-liquids, and he, doesn't, he tells me he doesn't smoke again. I don't know if that's a sensation claim, but I can tell you for sure I wouldn't put that Chantix in my body. You can say all of that shit. Now, the manufacturer can't go around and say, this is a sensation product, and it'll give you X amount of percentage of... The, the manufacturer can't do that, but the vape shop is not the manufacturer. Now, if you vape shops want to be so fucking stupid and do all this stuff, I can't stop you. But I'm telling you, I think you're being fucking stupid. Then, uh, freely discussed... Uh, ch- oh, yeah. Oh, the whole, for some reason, it's here. Number five, uh, charging batteries for customers. I'll ignore it here. And then it says, first of all, it tells you you, 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 can't, you can't rebuild. And then it says... You can repair. Ever, I'm telling you, any if you rebuild something, rebuilding is a repair. And here's one other, uh, you know, tip: is that when they bring in their device, it's their device. You can't manufacture somebody else's goods. It's it's owned by them. It's their product. It's not your product. You're not made. So as soon as if if they walk in and they're holding their product and then you operate on their product, it is by definition repair. They're not going to sell you it back. Uh, it it's like a, another good example. It's it's not like a brake thing. It's not like you're replacing your calipers on your car and you take over your product and you t- you take off your old parts and then you sell it back to the auto parts store. They give you your core charge. And then that that core then goes off into La La Land and it comes back as a, a brand new rebuilt thing. That is rebuilding as a manufacturer do. That it when when somebody takes a used caliper and rebuilds it and then sells it back to that auto parts store. That is rebuilding as in manufacturing. Just because somebody says that you're rebuilding because that's the, the English word doesn't mean it's the definition of a manufacturing rebuild. So Everything, learn it, live it, do it. Everything in that shop is related to repair and your POS system better be updated. That It, it, it says it's a repair. So that's what I would do. I'm free. You know, I, I, I get to do all these things. I, I, it's a free country after all and I insist upon it. And that's how I'll, you know, live that way and, until somebody knocks on your door. And, and people are like, well, you know, I have my whole business at Jeopardy here. How can you say that? Because I've got my whole fucking business uh, at Jeopardy. The first look at the, fe- the, the, the schedule that's in this document, uh, which is the, uh, the webinar for retailers. If you go on to page, uh, if you go on to the page uh, 28, the civil mental penalty has the whole schedule of the penalties. The first one is a fucking zero, zero dollar warning letter. If you can't stomach the gusto to be able to put that on the line. I have no idea how you ever signed a lease for a store to, to, to put it because the lease has a bigger breaking the lease has a bigger penalty thing than does this first violation. And again, you know, somebody else is going to get pinched. Somebody will, somebody will get hit unless you think you're always going to be the lottery winner. Somebody else is going to hit that before it hits you. And then that will be your decision point. Okay, so that's a, it's, I've laid it all out there. Why even bother to say all this? Why, why, 
uh, first of all, I, I think that vape shops are in uh, jeopardy more so from this stupid action than they are from uh, the uh, the deeming day that happened. If you're a vape shop, you have all of these e-liquids. You still get to sell them. There's an infinite supply of brand new brands out there uh, that you can bring in new flavors. You, you can be playing with new flavors for the next 10 years if you're a vape shop. All the hardware is still going to be coming in, and we don't need to talk about that. So you're you're in good shape. Nothing has has changed radically. And then in, in under worst case scenarios where uh, these big manufacturers that are all going to get through the PMTAs and and it's, they're going to shake off everybody, all the small e-liquid makers, to Shell Hamble and the rest of them, Dimitri's and stuff, are going to convince everybody they shouldn't put in their PMTAs. So all of those e-liquid companies are going to fall off the edge of the earth after 24 months. They'll still be a hundred. Uh, of of the bigger companies that all have e liquids going in the in the future years, so your e liquid supply is coming, your hardware supply is coming, all of this stuff is still coming. Your risk as a vape shop are going to be the taxes. Having what happened to Pennsylvania, that's a risk. What's happening in California, that's a risk. What happened in Chicago? Everybody's dead in Chicago, and I, th I fear that there's people that are still in business that don't realize that the tax man's coming after them. Chicago's dead. It's, been, it's, it's a wasteland, but there's still vape shops selling. And here's the, here's the, the only tie-in for that is that they're selling zero nick. Some of them are supposedly knowledgeable and doing what they need to be doing and selling zero nick. And then if you run around the street corner, there's some guy selling little capsules of uh, nicotine to drop in. They're selling zero nick. Under your theory that the zero nick is a tobacco product, then, then they're at the same risk as everybody else. It, it's too complicated. Why do I say all this? Here's the scenario that I would see. If you start charging for samples, here's the risk. Uh, you know, your competitors one through three uh, down the street, uh, that they're not going to do it. That means that you know your shared customer, the guy that you think is comes into your shop all the time, and uh, and uh, you think he's your, you know, you think you think he's loyal to you. You think he, you know, he slaps you on the back, you know. He, but you know what's ha really happening on the side? He's going into those other shops. You just don't know that. He comes into your shop one day and you say, "Hey, oh, what's a good name, Biff?" Biff, come on, you know, have a seat in the lounge. We got some new e-liquids for you. We we got this we got this fresh stuff in. You want to taste it? And the guy goes, "Oh, fuck yeah. Let me taste that shit." And then you go, "Okay, uh give me a buck." Uh and and here's the good thing. Is it give me a buck and I've already bought the taxes built in, so it's exactly a buck. And and uh, Biff goes, "What the fuck? I just want to taste it. I don't know if I want to buy it. I I don't want to date the thing yet. I just wanted to you know what the fuck and he goes well you know i i've got to do this because it's uh i, I the fda told me to do it and and the guy goes well really uh i you know he, he doesn't want to tell you about his side relationships with your other with the other stores in the area so he just goes well really you, you have to do this uh and, and he goes oh yeah i've got to do this and then the guy goes okay fine um you know tell you what i came in here for my normal bottle of stuff uh normally i would taste some stuff but I don't want to do any tasting today. 
I I just want to uh I just want to buy my normal bottle. You know, here's your twenty bucks. I'm on and he's out on his way. He then goes over to your competitor and goes, guess what? I was just over at uh, at that you know the store down the road. You know, you know those guys. Yeah, we know those guys. We're friends with them. Yeah, yeah. They're charging me. Uh, they they're telling me to uh, that they're charging me for sampling now. I I don't want to fucking pay for samplings. Why are they making me? Uh, why is he making me do that? Do I have to do that? You're not. Are you charging me for samples? And and that store goes no. We're not doing that. I think, you know, uh, you know, either he has a good relationship with them or not. So it's one of two options. Either he goes, I don't, you know, maybe he's just really worried about, you know, his stuff. He's, he's just being conservative. He's, he's trying to do it. But that's just because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So, uh, you know, take pity on him. And anyway, he doesn't have good products. That's one scenario, the, the friendly brush off. The other one is the guy hates the other, you know, you as a store. And he goes, he walks into your competitor and he goes, oh, yeah, those fucking assholes, they're fucking making bank on it. They're they're charging everybody to do that because they're. I know that for a fact these guys plan on closing their business after like a year, and they're just trying to fucking rake all of the customers all they can. They're just they're just raising the price on you. I'm not going to charge you samples. Fuck them. That's what I sell. Fuck them. Come back to my store. I promise you, as long as you're my customer, I'll never charge you for a fucking sample anywhere. That's my promise to you, because I'm a loyal vendor and you're my loyal customer, and, and fucking do a group hug. That's what your customer, it's what your competitors can do against you. And the other scenario, somebody goes in there and they go, uh, well, uh, you got to pay a buck to sample. And the guy goes, oh, really? I, I got to pay a buck to sample? And he goes, yeah, pay a buck. Uh, and so I go, okay, fine. I've got, you know, 30 minutes on my hands. So uh, I go pay a buck and I taste fucking every single flavor. I'm ta- and then as I'm tasting, I'm paying a buck. I'm, I'm taking, I got my phone out. I'm taking a picture. And then uh, right underneath the picture, I'm writing on it, this sucks. And I, and I fucking go through every single thing in that store. I fucking do a gigantic taste comparison of everything. I catalog it. I inventory it. And then I know exactly which flavors. And then I never have to fucking taste in that shop again. I, might, I may or may not uh, buy a, a product from them that day. Uh, you know, depending on how I feel, maybe I'll buy the one bottle, the last bottle I'll ever buy from that shop again. Cause, and then, and then I'll buy the, buy the shit online. I've tasted everything I need to do. I'll just buy it online. You can, and, and then there's some other people, you know, some, some people that, uh, you know, uh, that are, that are, uh, the, the car mechanics that I'm buddies with, those guys go in there and they go, you want, you want, we're charging you for samples. And they just, they look at you and they go, fuck you. And they go out the door and they go, I'll go to the other place. Fuck you. And just walk out. That's the damage that you vape shops can do by adopting these fucked up bullshit things before your competitors and before you need to do it and which are not supported by the FDA. These things are not illegal. They're not forbidden. And they're, and it's just by some sort of convoluted idiots that are not lawyers that are fucking running all around Facebook and telling you all this stuff. Now, if Safada has a fucking lawyer that, that has told them all of this stuff, tell Safada to write out on that lawyer's letterhead the question, can I rebuild a coil? And you have them put their fucking ass and their reputation and their law firm out on the record and show that fucking thing to me because if I if they want to put that out there but it's not been done there's no lawyer out there anywhere that has said all this shit and he got all these fucking vape shops and all these fucking morons just being morons and they're going to adopt all this stuff and they the, the damage 
and this is the argument I had with my friend. I'm saying, he's saying, well, you just don't know. You don't, you don't, you don't have a vape shop. You're not putting everything on the line. And what I told him is that they are putting their business on the line immediately. They're preloading the risk to their business right now up front before the FDA does anything. Because I can show you, and I just told you, how charging for samples when your competitors aren't going to do it or just charging for samples for your cheap-ass son-of-a-bitch customers is going to fuck up your sales. And it's going to hit your sales and your bottom line right away, and you're going to do it for no apparent reason. And the people like Dimitri and Shell that are telling you this are the same fucking assholes that are saying, oh, if you can't afford $2,500 a month or $2,500 a year to donate to your fucking advocacy groups, you should be out of the industry. That's what Shell and Dimitri will tell you. If you don't have all this money to donate to, you should be out of the industry. And your fucktards are going to do them the biggest fucking favor ever because they have competing businesses against you. Shell competes against you. Dimitri competes you at the fucking vape shop level. And you'll do them the best darn on favor by doing this, by jumping out, by fucking up and treating your customers like that. And, you, and, and, and you'll be gone. And after a little while, they'll go, oh, well, you know, we, uh, you know, they have, they have a bigger bankroll than you, uh, and they'll stay in business a little bit longer, and then they'll go, well, guess what, guys? Eight months later, after your shop's gone in month seven, they'll go, we were wrong about the whole thing. You don't have to charge for samples. Just turns out, we, you know, and, but your, your shop is down. So don't preload the risk. Don't fucking do it. That's what I would say. I don't know. It seemed to make sense when I was saying it. Um... I, I don't know what else uh I don't know what else to say. Um uh, I I apologize in advance. Two places forward I need a change of scenery 